Hey, what's up, football fans? This is Matt Miller. Welcome to episode 25 of Stick to Football. Uh, kicking it here with my buddy, Connor Rogers, who did all the heavy lifting this week. Connor, you are the man. I am uh, in Missouri, have a sick kid, uh, stayed out way too late last night with my friends while Ooh, you buddy. were out interviewing everyone for this week's show. So when we do our interviews, it's all you, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we're going to have a really fun show today because we got so much packed into one show. There's a lot going on in college football. There's a lot going on in the NFL with the rookies, with the younger players, some surprises. But I had the chance to interview. We have two different guest segments this week. I, I got to talk to Matt Forte this week of the New York Jets about a lot of different uh, interesting things. He's going to be the first Senior Bowl MVP we've ever had on the show, which is a really cool perspective to get for him when he came out of Tulane about almost a decade ago now. And then we also had on Devon Gales and Marshall Morgan. We will tell you their story later. Both former college football players. Uh, a tragic accident between them brought them together as really good friends. So we'll definitely tell you that story. And then we'll have them on for to get their perspective. You know, some Georgia football, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb. So we got a lot to talk about today, man. I don't think we should waste any more time. No, we have a lot to talk about. You did a great job uh, telling everybody what, what they're going to get. But we have to start with... Because this is, I like to think of us as still an NFL draft podcast. You know, we kind of, we bullshit around. We talk about a little bit of everything, but our bread and butter is the NFL draft. And so when I think of the NFL draft, I always think of hits and misses, you know, especially in my line of work. That's what people remember you for. You know, I mean, it's been five years and I still get Trent Richardson tweets almost every day. So people remember your hits and misses. And let's talk about a couple that right now maybe look like hits. Jared Goff, um, you were actually texting me Thursday night, riled up, and you were like, "I was, I was quite, um, I was comfortably <laughs> drunk, but, but I, I don't regret, I don't regret anything I said." Well, thank you for not making me your booty call with your text about Jared Goff being great. <laughs> no, it was me angry. I come into the apartment and I turn the game on. I've been watching it out. But I was just like, listen, I'm not, people are like, you know, if you wrote, if like, it's not okay to write him off, don't anoint him. Nobody's anointing him, but no. it's just nice to see progress instead of saying, this guy sucks. Why did he go number one? Well, to be honest this with you, like we don't know what Carson Wentz or Jared Goff are going to end up being, but you're seeing the talent that they both have and why teams moved up to get both of them instead of just saying, well, bad rookie seasons, they stink. Yeah, I think with with golf specifically, because I, you know, I took a lot of shit over the summer. I wrote an article and said, I think Jared Goff would be better than Carson Wentz this year. And people were like, oh, it's clickbait. And it was like, no, actually, he has a really good coaching staff around him. They gave him weapons. And there was a reason golf was my number one quarterback that year. I actually loved the kid. You know, I got to know him, um, you know, interviewed him for an article. And I interviewed Carson as well. I, I really liked him and I believed in his talent and his traits you know, being able to translate forward. And what we're seeing are those traits. Like, and I know it's the 49ers and I know it was the Colts, but at some point you got to say, okay, this is the NFL and we're three games in. So if you've thrown, you know, he's completing 70% of his passes and it's not like they're being super conservative. I'm not a huge fan of yards per attempt, but I want to say he's leading the NFL in yards per attempt. So it's like, they're not just, you know, dink and dunk with these little drop-offs, he's throwing the ball down the field and completing 70% of his passes and being smart about getting out of, you know, bad plays, whether it's, you know, checking to a run or checking out of a run. 
those are the types of things that really impress me right now with golf. On the other side, uh, I, I wasn't like planning on talking about Carson Wentz today, but we should do it. The things that I worried about coming out of college with with Carson Wentz and even with Deshaun Kaiser still worry me a lot. Yep. yep. With Wentz, we're a year into it, so we've seen it more, but I still just think he's he sees it slowly, you know? And I think some of that is level of competition. When you've you know played at North Dakota State and then you come to the NFL, if you're a slow processor or you have a slow trigger, I think that's something that you can improve upon, but we haven't seen it yet. And whereas last year, Wentz had the ideal situation because he had so many, you know, former quarterbacks and smart quarterback developers in, in there with him. I don't know that they're helping him get over when once defenses were able to break down Wentz and be like, okay, this is what he does wrong. This is what he does poorly. Here's how we'll attack him. I don't feel like he's gotten better since that moment. I don't, I don't know what you've seen. I find it interesting that last year, you know, one thing that people were like, hey, they're really keeping it simple with him. He's dumping the ball off a lot, and he was getting it out because I think they were a little worried about, you know, taking the sacks. He took 33 sacks in 16 starts last year. Through three games this year, he's been sacked 11 times. Oh, my gosh. And I will tell you from watching the games that the coaching staff trusts him a little more to throw the ball down the field this year. But with that comes him holding the ball too long, and he's getting sacked. Kansas City dropped him six times. It's a good front. Guess what? It is. Yeah. I don't think Carson Wentz's offensive line is bad, and I don't think his coaches are bad. So my concerns are similar to yours where it's, is he seeing things? Now, I do think he's been impressive this year. I think he has a certain feel for the pocket that are leading to some crazy big plays. But long term, am I a little concerned about how long it's taking for him to, you know, scan the field and the comfort level of holding the ball that long will eventually catch up to you. So when you take 11 sacks through three games, and I don't think your offensive line is very bad, I start to question how, you know, is this a problem? And right now it is, and it needs to get better because, listen, you're in a division where, you watched Marcus Lawrence on Monday Night Football? I mean, man, the guy, the the boys are like, Contract it's the Cowboys. Here. That's what the, it's, it's contract yeah, right. Here. The Giants with Vernon and JPP, and he's already he just played them and, and got sacked three times. Oh, Washington now. Game. Preston Smith looks like a man possessed. God, I I loved him coming out, and it, it took a little while to click, but you're seeing it. And edge rushers, it always does take a little time. I think. Yeah. So that's my concern with Wentz. It, there's been good. There's been bad. I think with Goff, there's been good and bad, but we've just seen so much more good. It, because of how bad he was last year. And McVay is just, he deserves a lot of the credit, but he has a quarterback that can make certain throws where Goff really deserves a lot of the credit with him. Yeah, I, I wrote about this last week and it's, you know, and I've tweeted about it. It's so simple. It's what happens when you give a good to great play caller and schemer a good player. Like, this is what happens. It's why yes. Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan broke records last year. Like when you give talent, talent, good things happen. And it, it, this segues well, because I think you look at Deshaun Watson right now and he's making just ridiculous plays every week where you're like, rookies aren't supposed to make that throw or they're not supposed to spin out of pressure like that. And we're seeing the, you know, the poise from Watson where he just, no stage is ever going to be too big for him. And one of the things I loved about him at Clemson was, that Alabama national championship game, the second one, they beat the shit out of him early in that game. 
right, Ruben Foster and those guys just destroyed him, and he just kept popping back up. So his toughness and how well he plays once you do hit him is so impressive. Uh, it blows me away, and I, I'll admit I didn't get to watch every snap of that game Sunday. I was writing and you know trying to catch up with everything else going on football related, but it seemed like every time I was watching that game, he was making a big play. And and there are still mistakes, but that's who he was at Clemson too. I, I think he's ahead of the curve right now with a very bad offensive line and a coaching staff that doesn't seem to be able to figure out exactly who they are. I think it's interesting right now that he he's overachieving really by his standards, but the, the right things are translating where it's like we knew he was tough and he's NFL tough. He's a playmaker. He, he keeps his eyes down the field when he's looking to throw after evading, you know, multiple pressures. It's impressive. And I loved Deshaun Watson last year. He was my top quarterback uh, with Mitch, Mitch Trubisky being the second guy. And I'm very excited for when he gets to play. And I'm sure you are, too. And yes. I think what, what Watson has done is very impressive. And it goes back to where I felt like they should have started him right away. I thought he was ready. But he he's, you know masking what is such a bad offensive line. And it's it's not necessarily fair to him in a rookie season, but at the same time, he's the guy that can win them games. When you almost beat the Patriots, you know, some poor clock management and Tom Brady being Tom Brady got them that loss, but they were right in that game. They had that game. When Watson goes up against New England, and that game was at New England too, correct? I'm yes. almost positive it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. It, I mean, nothing is too, there's no stage that's too big for this guy. And that's what I love about Deshaun yep. Watson and why I'll never d- never doubt Deshaun Watson. I feel the same way about Sam Darnold this year. Like, he doesn't do everything perfectly. You know, like, there are times where you're like, oh, why did he throw that ball? Or, ah, his mechanics aren't great. But no stage, man. Whether it's the Rose Bowl or the Texas game, like, the, you have to account for that. Like, when scouting, you really do. You have to be, you know, like, okay, there's something special here. You know, like, to this guy's poise and the intangibles and the, you know, it's almost like that Michael Jordan factor of guys who just rise to the moment. You know, it's not something we can put a number on when you're scouting, but gosh, when you see it with guys like that, you just see it. And, and he's definitely, you know, we definitely see it with Watson. I I think we're seeing it right now with Sam Darnold. Um, You know, what other things have stood out to you as far as, you know, we don't want to go super NFL heavy, but you know, like Kareem Hunt continues to look great. I know he was actually someone we both liked. As a, yes. as a mid-round guy. He's been awesome. He's breaking tackles. The one thing that I find interesting with Kareem Hunt, for as much as you and I really liked him, I don't think either of us expected him to be a threat as a pass catcher. And I think he's it's just another thing he's grown at yes. as he's taking on this lead back role. Um, I, I know I understand why a lot of people would not watch the Jets this year, but Jamal Adams and Marcus May oh, man. have been... Everything advertised and more. Uh, When you look at... May doesn't get a lot of the credit because they play him over the top. That team was so bad on the back end last year, and May is so fluid right now in coverage. He's just ahead of the curve. He's allowing them to do things up front that they couldn't do last year. Adams, on the other hand, when you watch the film, I mean, this is a defensive rookie of the year candidate, whether it's breaking up passes, he got a sack, he lives in the backfield. They're letting him you know, freelance a little bit to the point where he's a difference maker that I truly think teams are actually going to stay away from, and it's only going to be his fourth NFL game this weekend. 
He's amazing. And I, I know we've talked a lot, you know, off the podcast last year when we were doing NFL draft live on Facebook, it seemed like every week I would bring up Jamal Adams. He's just about as clean as they come as a prospect, you know, where, and, and I think he's actually exceeded some expectations as a playmaker. Like you knew he was going to be a great leader and he's a high character guy and he's a tone setter on defense and he's, he just plays smart assignment football. But like you said, I, I do feel like he has emerged a little bit more as that, you know, I don't think he's ever going to have 10 picks. You know, he's not Earl Tom. No, he's not. Yeah. He's a little more Eric Berry in, in what type of player I expect him to be or a little more. I don't, I don't see him having Landon Collins like ball skills, but you know, he could be like a rangier cam chancellor type. And that's really, really good. I think Marcus May is probably more your ball hawk, but yeah. And when you can give your Jets love, man, you got to do it because it's going to be a rough year. So yeah, it is. And listen though, I, you know, I'll call it like I see it with them. I, I said they were a terrible football team before the year started, but when you got the young guys playing that well, they deserve the love because they have been absolutely incredible for that defense. And they had a shutout against Miami until the literally the last play of the game. So, and I know Miami, you know, they're not that bad of an offense the way they looked on Sunday. I don't care who's back there, whether it's Jay Cutler who stops carrying in the second half. You got Jay Ajayi, you got Jarvis Landry, you got Devontae Parker. I mean, that's a scary game for, and Adam Gase will bounce back, but that's a, that's a scary performance. Um, what is going on? Speaking of, you know, just scary performances. What is going on with Joe Flacco and Philip Rivers and uh, really the Ra- the Ravens? I don't understand at all after that performance in London. It's crazy. We talked over the summer when we had Mello on the podcast about you know regression and th- there will be teams needing quarterbacks. I think we all thought that it, you know whether it was the Ravens or the Giants or the Chargers that they would need a quarterback to like sit for a year or two and learn the system. That whole process may be sped up. It really might be. Flacco looks really bad. And I know that, you know, he was hurt in the preseason and he had surgery and he's still kind of coming back from it. He does not look good. He does not he look looks like, broken. That's yes. the difference is that guys like him and I, not to get too crazy into another guy, but another guy that I'm worried about. And you said this a couple of weeks ago, you're actually one of the first people on it. He just doesn't look right. Is Cam Newton. Oh, he looks right. now. No, he doesn't look right at all. And it, these things seem injury related. Rivers is, is getting up there. But with Flacco and Cam Newton, something just doesn't feel right with them. I'm with you. Yeah. It, it's scary when you see it. Like, I, I remember about two years ago with Eli Manning being like, ooh, this is not the same dude. Like, this is this is a no. little different. And now we're seeing it with Rivers. Not the same dude. Flacco, not the same dude. So you look at this quarterback class and how deep it is. And, you know, whether it's someone like Mason Rudolph or Luke Falk or Nick Fitzgerald, like, there have to be other quarterbacks emerge because of the the needs out there. And everyone has, you know, taken shots at all the quarterbacks in this class at some point or another, it feels like. But those teams are going to need these quarterbacks. So you can't, like, completely jump ship on the top quarterbacks in this class because the need is absolutely going to be there. So those guys scare me right now. What really scares me right now is... Anyone who tries to tackle Saquon Barkley. <laughs> I, I could not how do you agree tackle more. Him? Like, honestly, how do you I tackle him? Am, I am so excited about him. Again, to answer your question, I mean, God, good luck because he is so quick to stop on a dime. He's so strong. He's listed at 5'11", 230 right now. It's he crazy. is one of the most jacked players in college football, and he runs a sub 4'4". Yep. He's one of the strongest players in college football and runs a sub 4'4". He can catch the ball. He can run inside. 
outside. I think his pass protection is getting better. I mean, this is an absolute freak, and I'm just going to throw this out there right now. I know this is like probably the hot headline of the week, but it is 100% true. Saquon Barkley is a better NFL prospect than Ezekiel Elliott was. Yes. For a, mag- yes. a magnitude of reasons. He's way cleaner off the field. Faster. He way more dedicated, better work ethic. He's faster. I think, I mean, they're both strong, but Barkley, what he does in the weight room and how it translates on the field, he's not a guy that, like lifting like an idiot. It's translating on the field. I Saquon Barkley, I know everyone needs a quarterback, but if he falls out of the top five, we got to think of something. I'd bet a lo- I would be shocked if he falls out of the top five, which is so impressive for somebody at the running back position. If he falls out of the top five, I will drink one beer for whatever pick he is. So if he falls out of the top five and he's pick number eight, I will I will chug eight beers right then. Deal. Uh, and I'll do and that. We'll put an injury disclaimer in there. <laughs> uh, yes. But I, yeah, I'll do like Jameson shots or something. Yeah. Just so, you know, <sighs> it, You're he's, a, there. he's a freak. He it, is. Man. I love guys like Darius Geis and Ronald Jones. Uh, and, you know, even Keith Ford had a really nice breakout game, the senior at Texas A&M, yeah. who doesn't get enough love. But Barkley is a different caliber prospect. And I don't want to get, like, too crazy, but I know you actually have said this before, not this direct comparison, but you said something like it. He might end up being, like, the best running back prospect or that actually I think he translates. It would be a shock if he's a miss since, like, a guy like LT where it's just like, yeah, this is a freak. This is a different player. This is a franchise player. Yeah, and... I. I guess I'll, this is a, as good as place any to to break this news, which we're you know twenty minutes into the podcast, you should have led with Ooh, this. Buddy. Sh- but he's my top ranked player. He really is. Um, if uh, yeah, I'll have a new big board out in a that. few weeks, so I'm trying to get caught up on everyone. I would like to see a little more Derwin James, a little more Mika Fitzpatrick, but sitting atop my big board right now is Saquon Barkley. And in the comparison, I put Marshall Falk. You know, and he's stronger than Falk. That's the thing, because he is up to 230 now. Like when he was 220, that comparison was, he was even still a little big. But his agility, his hands, what he does as a a three down factor, it's just rare. Enjoy it, you know, for another 10, 19 games, because then he's going to be in the NFL. But man, if, you know, I'm a, you guys all know I'm a 49ers fan, and I've, I've texted multiple people there, like, hey, just sign Kirk Cousins and draft Saquon Barkley. Just do this. You have money. With, you have eighty million. With Kyle in Shanahan. Oh, Kyle Shanahan. Go yeah. sign. I mean, go get. I don't know Terrell Pryor, who I know he's struggling a little bit, but he'll be fine. You know, there's a lot of guys. Alan yeah. Robinson. If Jaguars don't franchise tag him, Alshon Jeffrey, Jarvis Landry. Go get a guy and go sign Kirk Cousins with him, and then draft Saquon Barkley. There you go. There you go. Forty Nine ers. There's yeah. your. Uh, your dream offseason plan way uh, way in advance. Yeah, and then just get like a natural pass rusher like Austin Bryant in the second round. We could do yeah, that. I could go uh, like seven rounds deep right now fixing the 49ers. <laughs> have some fun with it. Right. Yeah. I could get. Yeah. I mean, and we'll do that for every team. For I'm looking forward to there. That. We'll definitely do dream offseasons probably a little closer. Uh, we'll start with the teams that are well out of it probably in December and yeah. work our way through week so by like week. Jets Niners. We'll do Jets Niners yeah, yeah. in December. Oh god, the Jets are going to win too many games, aren't they? I, you know it's coming. Man, it, it might. Um hey, before we get to our college player to know and before we get to I want you to tell everyone about before we get to you telling everyone about the Devin and Marshall the guys you interviewed. Um I have to update you, but you were involved in this on Twitter. My my Uh-oh. best friend growing up Dan uh, Mitch 
and mellow. We got this little crew here in Missouri. We, you know, all hang out together all the time. And we were going somewhere and Dan was like, man, I think the Chiefs are going to suck this year. You know, there's, just, there's no offense. This. They're not Alex Smith. They don't have a true number one receiver. And he's just dogging the Chiefs. And I'm not a Chiefs fan, but, you know, I, he listens to the podcast every week and he knows that I've said, I, I think they'd be pretty good. So we bet on, I think the over-under was nine and a half or 10 wins. I think it was 10. And he took the under, I took the over. And it's a three-shot bet. So back-to-back-to-back, three shots of whatever the the winner gets to pick. And the Chiefs are 3-0 and right now with the best offense in the NFL. So I'm feeling pretty damn good about this bet. Oh, I feel great. I think I put a the bar tab on it. You did. Right? You, what you an, put a bar I tab. I don't know why. I, that's just me being like overconfident. I'm not like a big gambler or a betting guy. But when I do like really like one, I, I don't like do a soft bet. I go way too far. So I said next time I'm out in Missouri, I'll I'll pick up the bar tab if I lose this bet. Uh it's looking pretty good I, right now. I feel like I won't be doing <laughs> I won't be doing shots because I lost. I might be doing them and, out of like solidarity, yeah. you know? Well, also, I mean, they're they gotta play the Raiders twice and I don't know if I'm worried better, about the Raiders now. They <laughs> better be Better than what they showed on Monday. Oh we don't have God. to go too long on them, but um, we do have to do college player to know because yeah. we, we've been just... I actually am curious to hear the pronunciation I don't of know the it. guy you have listed in the rundown. Well, you better try. I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it, which is my go-to trick, right, is I'll Google a player. And if that doesn't work, you YouTube them and listen for an oh, announcer wait. saying it, but I've been talking to you all morning, so I haven't, I haven't been able to YouTube. Uh, USC edge rusher. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. You, you, Uchina Wosu? We'll call Yeah, I that. think it's Wosu. I yeah. think the end's silent. We need Nelson um, to help because he's I know, the he, language he just, expert. He just snuck in here. I, I wish he stayed. He needed to get his laptop, but let's hear it. I, I'm actually really curious to hear this because I've been pretty impressed with the, this USC front that we didn't talk about yeah. the defensive line a whole lot over summer. We talked about the linebackers. Yeah, and, and Wosu fell into that linebacker crew. You know, he was a safety, recruited as a safety, turned linebacker, kind of turned to edge rusher. And if, man, if that doesn't remind you of Hassan Reddick's story, like, and I, I think there's some similarities here. Wosu's 6'2", 235, he's a senior. I've talked to some people out there and they're like, you know, he's probably a stack linebacker at the next level, but he's, He's being asked to rush the quarterback because they've lost some depth in that edge role, and he has been dominant. I mean, just with excellent speed and hip turns and awareness and using his hands. And here's a player when the season started, really wasn't even on my radar. You know, like not as a yep. you know this guy's a prospect to watch. You know, it was more about Porter Gustin and Cameron Smith, and now you know Wosu is just killing people. Um, and it's a cool story because, you know, he wasn't highly recruited. But, it you know, if you're watching USC, number 42, which great number for USC, the history there. Like, this dude just continues to make plays. And it's he's impossible to miss. So that's my college player to know. Um, yeah, he tore up my Longhorns. The week before that against Stanford was actually when he flashed on my radar because he was so good in coverage. So, it, again, someone who can play the run, he can rush a little bit it, at, as a blitzer. And he can play in pass coverage. That's pretty rare from a, a college player. Yeah, the defensive coordinators just love these versatile guys that you could do so many different things with because they don't have to take them off the field. And, and that right. just changes everything they could do. Another guy that I don't really think ever needs to come off the field, uh, my college player knows Bradley Chubb, 
on NC State. I think a lot of people became aware of him when he uh, he had a really good year last year. He played very well against Notre Dame, especially he matched up against a tough front that has Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson on it. But he's just torn it up this year. And I think his coming out party for the national spotlight was this weekend in their win over Florida State. You know, two sacks. He's so stout against the run. Uh, his ability to convert speed to power. This is, And he's just a guy that you don't need to take off the field because he just is so strong as a pass rusher and both a run defender. And I, I know the big story on him was that he spit on the logo after the game. I, and listen, I, maybe I have a different take on this kind of stuff. I don't get an up in arms about these things like everyone else does because I just love passion. And I loved Baker Mayfield's flag celebration. I loved Bradley Chubb angrily stomping out to the midfield logo and spitting. Like, that shows he wanted that win so badly for NC State. Even Jamal Adams had an unsportsmanlike conduct for just yelling, talking so much shit in Jay Cutler's face after a sack when the game was way out of hand. And I was like, good. No, good. You, there hasn't been life on this team in years. You want to see so a little I fire. like guys that, that bring that, yeah, that kind of fire. And I, I think Bradley Chubb is... I think he's going to easily be a top 50 guy next spring. Yeah, I'm with you. And from what I've heard, the the rest of the background is pretty clean. So you don't worry about it. It's like the Baker Mayfield flag plant. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, who cares? Like, the guy loves football and cared about his team winning. Old white dude, general manager, and he's going to be like, oh, I don't. That's bad character. Yeah. And, Respect and then the gonna, game. Yeah. It's going to be play the game the right. Is there, any, is there anything more tiring than play the game the right way? Like, <sighs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, neither do I. That's why I'm just I'm just over it. So, <laughs> but I'm also I have the worst temper ever when it comes to playing sports. Like I'm notorious for yeah, and that's the competitive spirit that a lot of yeah. the best athletes do. Like you don't it, the soft demeanor guys. I mean, listen, it's not a big deal. We'll just keep it as simple as that. Yeah. So tell um, us about we, tell us about these guys yeah. you hung out with last night, Devin and Marshall. They have a cool story, and then uh, then we'll take a quick break and hop into that interview, and then. Then we'll have the Matt Forte interview, and then we'll we'll close it out with draft on draft. So we have three segments left for you guys. Uh, but yeah, we got Dev, ba- Devin and Marshall are, are an interesting duo, man. They really are. This is a fascinating story, and it released on Bleacher Report this week. So go watch it because it's incredible. It's called Unlikely Brothers, basically. And a lot of co- big college football fans will be very familiar with this story, especially the Georgia community, who has been absolutely incredible during out during all this. Uh, Devon Gales was a walk-on wide receiver for Southern University. And Marshall Morgan was a pretty big recruit as a kicker and went to Georgia. So uh, two years ago, actually two years ago from this week, they on a kickoff, Devon went to block Marshall and they collided and he suffered a very serious spinal injury that left him paralyzed from the chest down. And... Uh, it's, you know, it's been a long road for him getting movement back throughout his body. He, he has plans to walk again. And if you hear this guy speak, when you do watch the feature, you will, you will fully believe that this, this man will walk again. Devon is awesome. So for Marshall on being on the other end of this hit, it obviously was such a mental hurdle. It was, he didn't know how his family would feel. And Devon's family took him in, said, everything's going to be okay. This is not your fault. Two years later, they have become such good friends over these last two years. Uh, Marshall got married in the spring and wheeled Devon in. He sat right up front, and he was in his wedding party. I mean, it's a very special friendship and between two former college football players. Marshall actually was a, was a tryout for the Bills. We talk a little bit about that. 
Obviously, we talked to Devon, who's got, he was a motivational speaker now, and he, I mean, just unbelievably motivating, positive spirit. So go on Bleacher Report, watch the feature. Uh, I got to talk to these guys, obviously, for a couple minutes, which you're about to listen to. It, it was just, it was really great and really inspiring, and it shows you so much more beyond football, I think. And sometimes we struggle to get away from that. And this just was an excellent display of just a friendship that, and the title is perfect. It's literally Unlikely Brothers. So it was really cool. And then after that, we're going to have the interview with Matt Forte. Talked about the Jets this year. Talked about, he's the first Senior Bowl MVP we've had on. So talked about, he says he had to go to the Senior Bowl and, you know, how important it is for players to go. So his perspective on that was really cool. Life after his NFL career when that day comes. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We got two great interviews ahead, so stick around with us. Welcome back to episode 25 of Stick to Football. Joining me this week, two very special guests, Devon Gales, former wide receiver from Southern University, and Marshall Morgan, former kicker from Georgia. And here at Bleacher Report this week, we're going to be releasing a very special feature about both of these guys. So I want to introduce them to you right now. What's going on, guys? Welcome to New York. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) How are you liking it so far? A little crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy. First time. Yep. So I wanted you guys to kind of just break down your story. For those of you who don't know, and we get a lot of really big college football fans, so most of them will know, but how did this friendship start? You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we well, originally, you know, we played, and, um, you know, tragic tragic accident happened, but, you know, out of all, all bad things, fortunately, it brought me and Devon together, and, right. you know, he's, he's awesome, man. He's, he's inspiring and great. He the man. <laughs> so before you two ever played against each other, you you didn't know each other. No. And now you were a part of Marshall's wedding, correct? Correct. That's awesome. That's a great story. Now, what are you guys up to right now? Um. What's next for you, Devon? What's next for me is finishing school and uh, getting getting stronger in therapy. Okay. Uh, trying to get back to where I was, you know. Uh, staying motivated, talking to kids, uh, trying to be a motivational speaker at the same time. Would you want to speak to teams? Yeah, teams or just anybody. You nice. Know? Anybody that's going through something, uh, and it don't have to be doing with the injury. You know, just talking to anybody. That's awesome. And now, Marshall, you were in camp with the Bills. Not mm-hmm. too long ago, correct? Correct. How was the process of being, you know, an undrafted free agent? Walk me through that process, which is crazy for anyone, not only just kickers, because a lot of those spots are always solidified going into camp. You yeah. got to really, you know, prove yourself to take over the top spot. But from top to bottom, what was it like? It was a, uh, it, it's it was a roller coaster. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of fun experience. It's it's kind of like the lottery, really. You know, you go in there and. You're hoping on the draft you get picked in maybe the last round if you're lucky. And, um, you know, once the Buffalo called right after the draft, I was ready to go. And you go there and realize, oh, you got to make that 53-man roster. And uh, so nothing's solidified. And every day in camp you're like, I could get cut today. I could get, you know, this could be the day I make the roster if I make all my kicks or, you know. Yeah, literally every kick matters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what are you up to right now? Uh, right now um, I'm banking Trying okay. to trying to use my finance degree, so 
Yeah. That's living in, awesome. Living in Athens. Got married recently. Got a lot going on. I think I'm 30 minutes from Devon. Yeah. So how often do you guys see each other now? Time to time. Time to time. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's awesome. always working, and I'm always at therapy, so it's whenever we can. That's great. Now, Marshall, obviously, you're a Georgia guy, yeah. so we got to ask you because we do a lot of draft stuff here. Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle? Oh my <laughs> God. Uh, no, let's Devon. I'm gonna let you answer. I'm gonna let you answer it first because there won't be. I know Marshall's gonna be a little hesitant here going against one of his guys. No, nah, I, I got my pick. But <laughs> all right, Ooh-wee. I don't know. That's a that's a hard one. Uh, both of them, two great guys, two two strong, powerful running backs. I'm going with uh, Chubbs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, we're not letting you slide on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I went to high school with Sony, so I've seen his work ethic and just on and off the field for a little bit longer. So you know, if I was doing that fantasy and putting my money in someone, Sony. Okay. Show. All right. So we got a little split decision here. That's yep. good. I, I won't turn Sorry, into Chuck. yeah. I won't turn into first take <laughs> and make you guys debate between it. But one thing we do on this show is with all of our guests, we ask them a lot of the same questions. We call it the gauntlet. So I'll have both of you guys go through this. Now, I don't know what you guys get for this one, especially being a former kicker. It might be a little yeah. more harsh. What's the, the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? <laughs> I never used Twitter. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's smart. smart. That's a smart man. <laughs> um, oh, man. Pretty much something along the line of death threats. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, if I could pull up a, a mean, mean one, I mean... I don't know. I think after after my South Carolina missed field goal, it was a short field goal I missed. I was getting some pretty pretty hellacious tweets. I think I had I think I had a note on my dorm door when I got home. Like it's pretty bad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not great when people have an idea where you live and stuff like that. No, I love the passion though, guys. Now I saw you guys playing Madden when I first met you guys in the kitchen. What's one game, and it could be Madden, that none of your friends can beat you at? I'll take Madden. Yeah. <laughs> we had a tie game right now. Yeah. Zero, oh, you got to go finish that up. In the third yeah. quarter. <laughs> um, Ping pong. Ping pong? Yeah. We got that, too. We'll get Let's that going, go. too. All right, the next one. On a deserted island, who is your dream person to be stranded with? Now, you can't say for any family members. It's got to be someone outside your family. That's all. Is it? Okay, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get in trouble. Yeah. I can't even think of one. I would say, he said no family, but your dad's a good hunter, so that'd be a good guy to be with, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I would choose my dad to a certain extent. He had me out there hunting with a wheelchair with some uh, <laughs> dirt tires. <laughs> That's awesome. I'd probably, I don't know, probably, I'm, I'm married, but, you know, there was a <laughs> wife, Devon, one of my boys or something, you know? Nice. Mm-hmm. And our last one, we ask every guest this. On a hot dog, ketchup or mustard? Got to pick one. Dang. Ketchup. Ketchup. Two for two. That's a big win for me. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. We're going to have this feature out this week on Bleacher Report. Please go watch it on Devon and Marshall, their friendship, what you know, where football has taken them, and it's going to be awesome. So go to our website, go to the app, check it out. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. All right, I'm here with Matt Forte of the New York Jets. 
Matt, what brings us here together today? I'm here on behalf of Comcast. Uh, this Comcast has uh, teamed up with CBS Sports on a new uh, platform for fantasy football to get fans excited about it as well. But it's also an awesome, uh, pretty pretty cool app that they have with CBS Sports um, and X, Xfinity X1 um, customers who have it. They can, even through voice recognition on the remote, go to their team or their fantasy team and go check out the stats or in-game stats of teams, but also um, while watching the game, they don't have to put their you know pick up their phone and take their eyes off the game or, or go into a different room or go to the computer where they can pull it up live on the TV uh, screen right next to the game. And so that's a great thing to be able to do during the game, which I know fans would be excited about because they always want to watch the game and also check their fantasy scores or the team uh, or their players and how many points they have, but also leading into that to a week um, of a game, they can also have you know team trends and team analysis, and I mean it brings up all the statistics from all over the league where uh, it can actually help them prepare for their next fantasy game. Yeah, it was a pretty impressive demo we just watched together. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of fantasy football, obviously sometimes players see it in a different light because they have people tweeting at them or. But for you, you know, coming into the league in 2008, it was kind of different because you were always the guy that people were dying to have in fantasy football. And instead of just Bears fans falling in love with you, every NFL fan fell in love with you. So how do you look at fantasy football now after being such almost the face of it for so long? I think it's a good thing because it, it broadens the game and, and the, the fan part of it where they're not just pigeonholed to their specific team with only their players. Uh you know, they, they love, you know, players from other teams because of what you can do for them on their fantasy team. <laughs> so um, I think it, it's pretty cool because it expands the game, you know, especially for the fan. It's not just, you know, somebody for one specific team. And, uh, you know, when I first came into the league, fantasy football was just kind of hitting it, you know, getting in stride, and then it became even more crazy. So, I mean, uh, every comment I got was, hey, man, what's up? It's cool to see you, but you're awesome. You're on my fantasy team. And so I was like... You know, or, or give me more points. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that's the bad. The only you know negative side to it is you know when you don't score you know thirty points like they're used to you doing. Uh, you know, they curse you out on Twitter and all that other stuff. I so, say your Instagram. But it comes with the territory, and and uh, you know I'm not you know I don't I don't worry about that part. So now you're obviously playing for a young New York Jets team with some familiar faces. Obviously, Josh McCown, a guy yeah. you've played with before, veteran quarterback, but. Instead of Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, you have guys in the huddle now like our Darius Stewart, Elijah McGuire. Eventually, Chad Hansen will get in. What's the difference for you being a veteran guiding those guys rather than playing alongside B. Marsh and Decker and vets like you usually do? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's fun for me because I get to impart on them wisdom and experience that I've had throughout my years of playing that you know they may not have gotten if it was nobody there. To, to give that to him, you know, when I first came in the league, uh, there was a couple running backs that were, you know, in their fifth, sixth year. Our fullback was like in the seventh year, but um, nobody to really try to mentor me into that, or groom me into what I needed to do. So I kind of had to do it on my own. So I'm, I'm, I'm able to give back in that aspect, you know, to those guys because I would have wanted that to happen if I was a rookie. Um, but also Jermaine Curse being there is is awesome yeah. for the receiver room because there's a, I mean, there's all young guys in that room. And he's able to, I mean, he's he's been in the Super Bowl and won Super Bowl. So he's been at the, the pinnacle of, of the NFL career and has been able to, to, you know, shine in that in that light. So he can tell them 
a lot of um, you know of his experiences as a receiver, you know, going throughout the the league that they can hold on to and and shape them for the rest of their career. No, this this podcast we're recording with Bleacher Report is a very draft centric podcast. You coming out of Tulane, you're our first Senior Bowl MVP we've ever had on the show. We see so many guys nowadays, whether it's fear of injury or they don't feel like they need to prove much more passing on the Senior Bowl. What do you feel like the Senior Bowl did for you, your draft stock, and your NFL career? I needed it. I needed the Senior Bowl because, uh, you know, there's so many, you know, draft uh, boards and and, uh, websites and stuff that, you know, like the you know, kind of perception is reality, I think, when you you go talking about the draft. So if somebody's perception is that, oh, just because I came from Tulane, he had a lot of yards, but they don't play much competition, um, that was kind of the knock. So I needed to go to the Senior Bowl and and perform well, as you know, before going to the Combine so that I could show them, like, hey, in person, like, this guy can play amongst the top talent uh, coming out of college. So, you know, I, I wasn't worried about going out there and, and – being injured and doing all that stuff. Because when you we worry about that, that's when, you know, stuff happens. And, uh, I mean, if, if I mean, you can get injured training, you know, you know for the combine. Yeah, so not contact. A lot, a lot of times, uh, you know, you can't worry about that stuff. So I I felt like I needed the senior bowl to go out there and show them, you know, what I could really do in person because of some of the knocks that they had on me on the draft boards. And I went out there and performed, you know, well, was able to get the MVP and then headed into the, the uh, combine, you know, just piggybacked off of that. So now we've seen so many players still working in the game after their careers, whether it's Tony Romo in the broadcast booth, B. Marsh during his career has been on Showtime. Mm-hmm. What is, you know, life after the NFL when that day comes for Matt Forte, whether it's in broadcast, TV, fashion? I know you're into mm-hmm. fashion. What do you see, or do you want to coach? What do you see yourself doing for life after the NFL? Do you still want to be around the game? Yeah, so I see myself as kind of, like I am now, being versatile, you know, out of the backfield and stuff. But uh, I, my wife has a clothing line that I'm very involved in, um, and it's it's for every stage of motherhood. Where it's you know clothes that are easy for moms who breastfeed, where you know it's easy, it's transitional, where they can move stuff around and be able to um, breastfeed their babies without being uncomfortable. There's um, clothes that are really stylish that. Um, moms want to get back into the groove after having babies um, and there's a fit part to it um, where you know for moms who have had their babies and they want to get back in the gym and do all this other stuff so and there's also baby onesies that you know there's a uh, part for that too so I'm into the fashion part with that with her you know um, with her clothing line but also um, I've been I did broadcast boot camp this off season nice. to, to see you know what all goes into being in the uh, the, the the booth and and uh, or being on TV and and being a broadcaster and uh, I was very interesting and and um, I took a liking to doing that type of stuff and to see whether TV or radio is you know which one you like the most so um, but not only that um, I'm very heavily involved in my foundation where we uh, give out scholarships to underprivileged youth where they can continue their education and uh, just to help the youth that aren't you know, everybody doesn't have the privilege of getting a scholarship and playing athletics and sports and doing that thing. So I think everybody deserves to get a better education so that they can make better decisions in life. Well, I think you're in a great market for all those things. Thanks a lot for the time, Matt. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Seriously, thanks a lot.
everybody. Thank you for hanging out through the two interviews. Awesome stories from Devin and Marshall. Great stuff with Matt Forte. And again, Connor, thanks for, for carrying the load so that I could go out drinking on a Monday night. <laughs> no problem. Uh, always needed. Our, our Sunday fun day became Monday fun day because when you're an adult and you have responsibilities, that shit happens. But I am excited. This is my favorite part of the show every week. We get to bring Kennedy, our awesome intern, on. And we get to talk to our listeners. So let's let's jump right in. Yeah, you know, a lot of people want to know about quarterbacks today. But I think Anthony Mongo on iTunes had a great question. Which college mascot would you want to be for the day? Oh, Bevo. Bevo. The, <laughs> Is the that... dude lives on, he lives on a ranch, like a custom ranch. He does kind of live the life. And... He does live a very cush life. Uh, it's amazing. So that that's my pick. I would be the the Stanford tree. Um, the only reason that's I even say this is because, wow, I'm, I'm laughing reading about this. The tree regularly appears at the top of internet worst mascot list. Um, <laughs> it takes me back to back in the day in NCAA football, you could play as mascot teams and the running trees was like the funniest looking thing in the world to me. So that's the one that it's also terrible. So I had to pick a terrible one. The Stanford tree wins. The the yeah, Georgia Aga would be up there too. Yep. <laughs> What's yours, Kennedy? Could have fun with this. Yeah, Kennedy, what are you going with? God, I don't know. I you know, I'm from you can't Tucson. Can't pick your school. I'm from Tucson. I think I'd be I think I'd be a wildcat. I think I would. All right. Fair enough. It's an interesting pick. Okay. Monty wants to know. The Giants need a quarterback for the future. How do you like the Baker Mayfield fit? Oh, buddy. Uh, not a lot. Don't love it. Don't love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Listen, I like Baker Mayfield for what he is. The Giants are not really in a position where they could just like roll the dice. Like, if Seattle took Baker Mayfield in round three and said, we're going to develop this guy behind Russ and hopefully make him like a trade ship or something. That's something that makes sense to me. The Giants need a guy. I, I know it's easy to say they need a slam dunk, and they probably won't be in position to get one, but like, you just need a little bit more of a natural pocket passer to develop under McAdoo, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think McAdoo can develop a quarterback. Yeah, I'll say that first. Awful. Let's just get that out of the way. They took he Davis stinks. Webb last year, who I liked as a developmental guy. I don't know that he's your quarterback of the future. but Gino. Man, Gino, yeah. You know, I, I actually would like Mesa Rudolph. Like for them, I, I think he's someone who could. And we talked about this. Did we talk about this last week or do we talk? I don't. My head is all probably up today. Yeah. That when you draft a quarterback for New York, you have to draft a different kind of person because you have to think about personality. I think Baker Mayfield in New York would be a train wreck. Oh yeah, that I don't know. So That's... I want someone like I want someone laid back with thick skin. Like so, I think Mason Rudolph would be a pretty good fit there. That wasn't me and you talking. That was one of my scouting classes. Okay, See, <laughs> we now definitely it's all coming back. Yeah, we yeah we probably had a long week. at some point. Okay, Shane Merriman <laughs> asked, which quarterback has the best potential to fly up the draft board like Mahomes did last year? Oh, that's a great question. That really um, is. That was so you know unnatural funny? too. It might that be was a, Josh yeah. Allen. Because so many people are shitting on Josh Allen that the media is going to think he's like a third round pick and he's going to go top 10 still. <laughs> and everyone's going to be like, oh, he flew up draft boards. But as far as someone who's like probably a, I remember talking to scouts this time last year and they said that Mahomes was a late round pick. And so I, maybe, maybe Fitzgerald from Mississippi State would be the guy who would fit that just because 
you know, he's a, a strong arm. He's a good athlete. But I don't, man, I don't see anyone who definitely fits that mold right now. I was going to go with Fitzgerald, your guy, Matt, because I think yeah. he's got so much talent. I, I think him or Stidham, two guys you've hit on in spotlight Stidham's features good, yeah. with us, I, I think they both have the talent to fly up draft boards. You know, over summer, I was saying I thought that guy was going to be Clayton Thorson, the junior out of Northwestern, but he's had a really up and down year. He really struggled against Duke. You know, dominating yeah. Bowling Green doesn't really do much for me. I thought the Nevada game was a good sign. But he's just so all over the place right now that he might go back for his senior year. So I'm not ready to commit to making him the pick just yet. So Mello asked a question this week. And yes, I, I miss Oh, Mello. God. Hey, this, this one's pretty good. He wants to know what is the best football movie of all time? Best football oh, movie wow. of all this time. This is going to create a hot debate, and I'm going to get this out of the way right now. Leave your favorite football movie of all time in your iTunes reviews you this week. Please do it. And I will read... I will tally them up and read the winner on next week's show. Yeah. And tell, tell a friend five-star review and leave your favorite football movie. Mine is the program. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't the, argue I, against it. Go ahead. Break it down. I, I mean, it, it's dated and my life goal is to remake that movie, but it is so awesome because you have the crazy roided up defensive lineman and you have the, you know, kid from nothing linebacker, you have the alcoholic quarterback, the cocky running back. You have young Halle Berry. Like, the oh, movie has that. everything. Everything. I love it. It's. I might actually watch it today. My son's homesick. I feel like today's the day he watches the program. So, And I think he's actually about to ring my doorbell because I can see him out the window. So you, this it's is going to be interesting. It's yeah. a step in his life to watch the, the program. <laughs> For me, it's Friday Night Lights. And um, I, I know I that's kind of like... One. It's just so good because there's a main reason why I really like it. I like how it depicts the feeling of losing. And because so many movies depict winning. And Friday Night Lights depicts all of the things that we don't want to talk about in sports as sports fans. That's career-ending injuries, essentially. Losing a championship game. The feeling of that is the bottom of the bottom. And just all the struggles that come with it. A quarterback that didn't want the spotlight and was forced to have it. it I thought it was so emotionally uh, telling. And I, I just think, you know, Peter Berg, that was one of his best. I think it's it's my personal favorite football movie. That's a great one. Yeah, I've always wanted to try to, like, write. I think everyone who ever wants to be a writer and, you know, play sports thinks, I want to write my, like, generation's Friday Night Lights. And then you realize that, you're not that talented, you know, like no one <laughs> it's hard is. to like, do. Buzz Bissinger is the shit, you know, it's like, oh, well, and I live in like a really good high school football area and there's some cool stories and you're just like, nope, no, there's no way I could capture that like he did. So I just won't even try. So there's there's my, me giving up on life right there. <laughs> OK, Richard Royal asked which NFL defensive end or outside linebacker has the more most fourth quarter stamina, man, I know mine right away. It's Justin Houston, the closer. I was going to say, God damn. That's why I rushed into the answer. I knew we would have the same answer. Yep, he is. Last week was a great example of that. The dude just does not wear down. No, and the guy that will be him, he's already doing it now, but he'll be the closer because he was the closer at Auburn, Carl Lawson. Man, he made Kyle Murphy look like shit. He's going to make a lot of people look like shit. So Yeah. I I like it. (laughs) <laughs> we talked earlier about draft grades and, you know, you don't want to you don't want to throw yourself on a pedestal too early. But man, I had a second on him. So that's looking pretty good right now. 
Yeah, he's been awesome. Feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I agree. It's Justin Houston. I, I don't think there's any debate that we could have here. Evan Vercar asked, how do the other grade five quarterbacks stack up against Allen? Thoughts on guys like Mike White, Logan Woodside, Brent Stockstill? Allen is just so unique in terms of like traits and skills that you really, I like Logan Woodside. He's probably a seventh round or UDFA guy because, you know, he's smaller. He doesn't have the biggest arm. And so when you do play at a smaller level of competition, you have to have an elite trait or two that make you stand out. And I think that's why everyone looks at Allen. You know, Connor says it all the time. Size is a trait. Arm strength is a trait. Uh, athleticism, you know, strength, uh, just like core strength. All those things are why the NFL likes Josh Allen so much. So, you know, like Mike White is kind of intriguing. I, I said, I think Woodside's a late round pick, but I, I and I haven't seen stock still enough to really have a, a grade on him at this point. Yeah, I haven't seen Stockstill either. I mean, I know he's obviously starting for Middle Tennessee, and he's another guy that is a little undersized, like in the Woodside mold, but I I haven't watched him play enough. Uh, Mike White, I, I like the potential, but once again, I'd like to let that one play out. The one guy I've watched the most of, because he was in my summer watch list, is Woodside. And I'm kind of with you, Matt. I think he's a really nice late-round pick with a guy that like kind of has that Matt Moore feel to him, where he's efficient, he can come in and... He could be a really nice long-term number two, I think, because he's he's pretty smart guy, and I, I don't think he tries to do too much. So I, I do like him a lot, honestly. Okay, Luke Stapleton asked, what's the smarter move for the Colts if they get the number one pick? Trade the pick or trade luck and get salary relief? Oh, you cannot trade Andrew Luck. It's, it's the easiest question <laughs> we've ever pick. had on draft on draft. Yeah, Luke, no, I like you your passion, but luck. That's a, that's, it's simple. You keep Andrew Luck, and yep. you auction off the number one pick for what will yep. be a gold mine. I mean, you might get like a second draft out of that. You get yep. two teams really drafts. So and that, if you yeah. have God. Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds making picks, and you give them Done. extra picks, damn. Yeah, I'm in for that. You this trade Andrew Luck stuff is crazy, man. Why, There's no he, way. Why would Chris ba- Chris Ballard went there because Andrew Luck was there? Yeah, you don't trade him. There's no way. And he's going to be back probably. Week, they're saying week six projected, so the Colts are going to win a couple games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't get in the way of Connor's Jets having the first yeah, pick. Yeah, nobody <laughs> stopped the tank. I'm sick of this. The Dolphins already tried to ruin it. Nobody stopped the tank. Yeah. I love Jamal Adams, though. That's all I'll say. Okay, the last question of the week is from ND2490 on iTunes, and they asked if the NFL did a fantasy-style draft every 10 years starting this year. Who would you want with the first overall pick? Aaron Rodgers. Yep. This is a popular one, and it's Aaron Rodgers. And I, I He's young I enough where like it's worth better, it. But yeah, yeah, I was yeah, about to say, exactly. I'd pick Brady. He's 33. Yeah, we did this this summer. Still? Uh, me, Matt, and Mello did this this summer, and it was an interesting debate between us. I think I picked yep. second, and I got Rodgers, but it was kind of a long-winded debate where it's like, well, if you're playing... This question is very, uh, very well-worded where it says, you know, it's going to be a draft every 10 years. So this is a long-term outlook, and the guy is Rodgers. Yep, I love it. Hey, Good Brady, questions this week, man. Brady says he has another three or four years, guys. Yeah, he's got some miracle something. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what it is. I, I don't know what it is. He's got some miracle Avocado something. ice cream. He's unbelievable. So um, before we do end the show, I do want to give a shout-out uh, to a very important charity, especially at Bleach Report, one of our coworkers. Is, uh, is running a campaign on youcaring.com. It's called Hurricane Maria Immediate Aid for Puerto Rico. Uh, the organizer is Keith Hernandez. Keith is running a goal where they're trying to raise money for Puerto Rico. Uh, after the hurricane, it's been devastating. 
what's going on. And every little dollar helps. So please help out if you can, even if it hasn't hit you close to home, it has for a lot of other people. So that's the charity I really want to push out this week because it's very important to, you know, what's going on down there. Uh, people need help and they need it immediately. It's, it's, it's things like water and obviously not having power. There's so many layers into it and the more help they can get, the better. Yeah, and I'm going to tweet out a link to that uh, so that people can find it on the Stick to Football page. I tweeted it out from my Twitter account. I posted it on Facebook, so it should be easy to find. Um, if you're if you're interested in it and can't find it, ask on iTunes or or tweet to the Stick to Football account. That's the the account we're going to see your questions at best. If you if you try to contact us, uh, do it that way. So absolutely, you know they're, they're trying to raise ten grand and they're eighty five hundred. So if everybody, and, and we've said this before, if you can't donate, cool, we understand. We've all been there. You can share and maybe someone you know can donate. So definitely try to help out. Um, they're almost to their goal and, and hopefully we can you know get Keith's family the, the help that they need. So awesome show this week, guys. Uh, next week, I will be in New York, Connor. So I assume yeah, buddy. We're, recording, we're recording together in New York. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have no idea who our guest will be. I'm going to pull a, a rabbit out of my hat later this week. I actually just realized I haven't booked a guest for next week yet, so uh, we we'll will figure, uh, figure that out. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure something out. Maybe we go maybe we go live from one of our Facebook pages, too. We'll do something Ooh. fun. We'll make next week fun. I have to fix my hair if we're going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be great because, you know, I, I was in like a bathrobe until five minutes before I called you today, Connor, uh, so I would actually tight. have to get dressed. <laughs> you look Man, I actually got a Snapchat from our buddy Jake of you in studio today. And oh, great. You, you are looking fresh, my friend. Yeah, well, you know, I couldn't look like a bum in front of Matt Forte. He's one of the best-dressed players in the NFL. So Can't do uh, it. A lot of fun Can't this week, it. guys. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Kennedy killing it as always. We will catch you guys next week for show number 26.